Welcome to From the Depths, an in-depth analysis of Rabbi Ephraim Ashri's Shailas Uchuvus Mima'amikim, questions and responsa from the depths. Given the graphic and violent nature of the atrocities perpetrated by the Nazis, this presentation may not be suitable for young children. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to this second episode of From the Depths. I'm Dr. Shimon Blau. Throughout this series, I am going to try to present Rabbi Ashri's questions and responsa based on the order that he presents in his Hebrew version. Uh, it should be noted that the English version has a different order. Rabbi Ashri writes that on August 27, 1941, Dalad Elo Tafshin the Nazis captured all of the stray cats and dogs that they could find and brought them into the Nyerkloys in Slobodka, which was a base medrash, a house of study uh, in Slobodka, which was the sister city of Kovno and the home of the Kovno ghetto. They then proceeded to shoot and kill all of these stray cats and dogs. They brought in many Jewish residents of the ghetto to show them what they had done and proceeded to force multiple members to rip up Sifrei Torah, Torah scrolls, and then force them to cover the dead carcasses of the animals with the pieces from the Torah scrolls. Several witnesses of this atrocity approached the Av Beisdin, the head of the rabbinical court and the chief rabbi of Kovno, Rabbi Avram Dovber Kahana Shapiro, to ask him if he could arrange for them a program of penitence for having witnessed and been a part of such a horrible thing, and especially for those who were forced to actively destroy and desecrate the Torah scrolls. Their question extended further to those living in the ghetto who even just heard of this occurrence. Was there any sort of acts of penitence that they should do as well? At the time, Rabbi Kahana Shapiro was quite ill, so he asked Rabbi Ashri to look into the matter and come up with an answer. As a brief introduction to Rabbi Ashri's response, I'd like to point out that in Judaism, Judaic articles are given a certain status of holiness. This means that Jewish books are not taken into a bathroom, they're not left on the floor, they're accorded a certain level of respect. The article that is accorded the highest degree of respect is a Sefer Torah, a Torah scroll. Even if a Torah scroll becomes unusable or unfixable, it's not just thrown out, but rather buried in the ground. Sadly and unfortunately, if you've lived long enough and attend synagogue regularly, you've probably heard of an episode or two of a Sefer Torah accidentally falling or being dropped. Rabbi Ashri's response touches upon this, so there is some applicability to our times as well. Rabbi Ashri starts out by pointing out that there is a difference in the Gersos, the versions of the text, between the Talmud Bavli, the Babylonian Talmud, and the Talmud Yerushalmi, the Jerusalem Talmud, which results in a difference in practical ramifications. The Talmud Bavli states in Tractate Moed Katan, Daf Chaf Vav Amar Aleph 26a, as follows. Rabbi Chalbo said in the name of Rabbi Huna that somebody who sees a Sefer Torah being torn, and the Talmud uses the expression Shenikra, which is torn, to describe this, he's obligated to tear his garment twice. Tearing of one's garment is a sign of mourning. Two tearings of the garment must be done, once for the gvil, for the parchment, and once for the writing. This is based on the verse in Yirmiyah, Jeremiah 36.23, which states as follows, After the king had burned the scroll on the words. This refers to the episode when Yirmiyah had dictated to his disciple Baruch ben Niria a prophecy of all of the terrible things that would happen to the nation with the impending destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, the Jewish temple. And Baruch ben Niria recorded it in a scroll, which was an early edition of Eicha Lamentations. The scroll was initially read publicly in order to trigger the Jews to repent, and it actually had a great impact on everybody who heard it. However, when it was read in front of King Yehoiakim, he cut the scroll and had it burned in fire. 
Interestingly, the Talmud Yerushalmi, the Jerusalem Talmud, has a different version. The Talmud Yerushalmi has the version of Haroah Sefer Torah Shenisraf, somebody who sees a Sefer Torah that is burned. This is also the version that Rav Ilfus, the Rif, had, as well as the Rush, who were both early commentators and codifiers of Jewish law. And based on this Girsad, based on this version, it would seem that the only time somebody would have to tear their garment as a show of mourning would be if they actually saw a Sefer Torah being burned, similar to the event which happened with King Yehoiakim. The fact that the Talmud Bavli instead chooses to use the expression of Shanikra that was torn, it shows that the Talmud Bavli held that any destruction of a Sefer Torah would require a show of mourning, not just if it was burned, similar to the episode with King Yehoiakim. Rabbi Yashri points out that the Beis Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo, who was one of the greatest codifiers of Jewish law, also seems to have had the same version as the Talmud Yerushalmi, that the only time somebody would have to show a sign of mourning would be as if he saw a Sefer Torah being burned. This is based on Simon Resh Ches, Sifkan Hay, and Orachayim, where the Beis Yosef states that for three different kinds of dreams, a person is allowed to fast on Shabbos. In general, on Shabbos, on the Sabbath, it's a day of rest, it's a day of enjoyment, and in general, a person is not supposed to fast on the Sabbath. However, if somebody has one of three different kinds of dreams, uh, there is a dispensation allowing him to fast. One of these is uh, if somebody sees a Sefer Torah that is being burned in his dream. So based on his words, says Rabbi Yashri, it seems as if he had the same version as the Talmud Yerushalmi. The Taz, Rabbi Dover Levi Siegel, also agreed that this was the understanding in the Beis Yosef. However, he disagreed with him on the actual halacha, stating that based on our Gemara, the Talmud Bavli, which is basically what we rely on for deciding halachic decisions, because the text reads a Sefer Torah that is torn and not one that is burned, it's clear that burning of a Sefer Torah is not a necessary condition for acquiring somebody to show signs of morning. And therefore, if somebody witnesses a Sefer Torah being destroyed in any fashion, there is a requirement to show signs of mourning. The Taz adds that this was also the opinion of the Ber Hetev, who wrote that if somebody sees a Sefer Torah being torn or erased or cut by force, as opposed to an accident, whether it was done by a Jew or a non-Jew, there is a responsibility to tear one's garment as a sign of mourning. Based on all of this, Rabbi Yashri says that according to the version of the Talmud Yerushalmi, there would be no responsibility, no obligation to tear one's garment as a show of mourning. However, according to our version, the Talmud Bavli, especially according to the Taz and other poskim, other halachic decisors, there would be a responsibility to tear one's garment as a show of mourning, and he therefore poskim, he therefore decided that those who had witnessed the desecration of the Sifrei Torah in this shul were required to tear their garments as a show of mourning. However, for those Jews who lived in the ghetto but had not actually seen what had happened, Rabbi Ashri pointed out that even according to the Talmud Bavli, there is no obligation for Kriya, for tearing one's garment, because the only one who would have a responsibility to do so is one who actually saw what had happened. Haroa Sefer Torah, somebody who sees a Sefer Torah. In addition, this is the opinion of Rashi on the Rif, in Masaklis Moed Katan, who uses the expression Roa Be'enov, somebody who sees with his eyes. Rabbi Yashri supported this ruling by quoting the Chacham Tzvi, Rabbi Tzvi Ashkenazi, in Simon Yud Zion, who wrote that the entire obligation to tear one's garment is only if somebody is actually there at the time and at the place where this occurrence would occur, similar to the story which happened with King Yehoiakim. However, if somebody heard about it or found out about it in some other way without actually seeing it, there is no obligation to tear one's garment. He also quoted from the Aguda in Mesakos Moed Katan that if a Sefer Torah is burned accidentally, or if somebody hears about it but didn't actually see it, there's no obligation to tear one's garment.
Now, Rabbi Yashri says that all of this prior discussion is talking about the chiyuv of kriya, the obligation of whether or not somebody has to rent one's garment as a show of mourning. However, with regards to fasting, he says there's no question that everybody who witnessed what had occurred would be required to fast. If somebody sees a safer Torah fall, there's a responsibility to fast, and all the more so in this case, where the disgrace and horrific treatment of the Sefer Torah was witnessed by all of these Jews, there's no question that there would be a requirement to fast. So where does this requirement of fasting, if somebody sees a Sefer Torah fall or another disgrace to the Sefer Torah occur, where does this concept of fasting come from? For that, Rabbi Ashri turns to several other commentators, chief among them, the Shailas Yitzhuvus Chaim Shal, which was written by Rabbi Chaim Yosef David Azulai, otherwise known as the Chida. The Chida was an extremely prolific rabbi who lived in the 1700s in Jerusalem. And the Chida dealt with this very question. Is someone required to fast if he sees a Sefer Torah fall? The Chida states that, in truth, there's no direct source for this in the entire Talmud or among the early commentators. However, it's a minig Yisrael. It's a custom that has been adopted by the Jewish people that if somebody drops their tefillin, their phylacteries, there's a requirement to fast, and all the more so if somebody accidentally drops a Sefer Torah. He says that there's also a Sfarah, a simple reason behind it, which is, is that this person would require some sort of kapara, some sort of atonement, because a zilzal le Sefer Torah, a disrespect for the Sefer Torah, came about on account of him. He quotes from the Sefer Mishpatei Shmuel, which was written by Rabbi Shmuel Kaloi, that there is a custom to fast if somebody drops his tefillin because of the disrespect shown the tefillin, and he learns this from the Gemara and Moed Katan. We've already quoted the Gemara earlier. The Gemara there continues to to compare tefillin that were burned by force to a Sefer Torah. And since they're like a Sefer Torah, there's no suffix at all, there's no doubt at all that somebody who drops a Sefer Torah would be required to fast. The Chida then quotes from the Divrei Chaim, Rabbi Chaim Haberstam, in Yoradeyasim and in Nuntas, who writes similarly that there's no clear allusion to this concept of fasting if somebody drops his tefillin or a Sefer Torah uh, in the Talmud. However, there might be a basis for this in the Talmud in Tractate Tainus Tezayin 16, where it discusses that on various fast days, they would bring the Teva, the Ark, containing the Torah, into the town square, and that the reason for this was as if to say that we had a modest vessel, referring to the Ark, and it has become disgraced because of our sins. Likewise, if somebody drops his tefillin or a Sefer Torah, this may have been caused because of one's sins, so there's a concept to fast. As the Divrei Chaim, another source for this might be the Talmud Yerushalmi, Sota Pei Zayin where it states that the Torah says, Cursed is he who does not uphold the words of this Torah. The Talmud Yerushalmi asks that the expression Yakim means to keep something upheld or erect. So the Talmud Yerushalmi asks, Is there a Sefer Torah that falls? Shimon ben Yakim answered, It refers to a Chazin who is standing. And the Ramban explains that what this means is that it refers to a Chazin somebody who is leading the services who does not hold the Sefer Torah up accordingly and causes it to fall. So because the Chazan was the one who was responsible for causing the Sefer Torah to fall, it's only appropriate that he fast in order to go from being called Ur, cursed, to being called Baruch, blessed. Continues the Chidah, all of this applies to somebody who actually dropped a Sefer Torah or Tefillin. However, somebody who watched something like this occur would not be obligated to fast and even someone who witnessed the Sefer Torah burning, who was obligated to perform Kriya, to tear their garment, this was only said if it occurred through violence, similar to the Misa, to the occurrence which occurred with King Yehoiakim, which was quoted previously in the Gemara in Moed Katan.
Says the Chida, another possible source for this custom to fast might be the Yerushalmi in Moed Katan Halachazayin, where it states there that somebody who sees a Talmud Chacham, a Torah sage, that dies, it's as if he sees a Sefer Torah that burned. The Talmud Yerushalmi continues by bringing examples of several rabbis who actually fasted on days that Torah scholars died. However, says the Chida, this is also not a clear-cut proof. The idea of fasting when a Torah scholar passes away can only be seen as Midas Chasidis, something which is an act of piety, but not necessarily required by the letter of the law. Furthermore, it would only seem to prove that somebody who saw a Sefer Torah actually burn would be required to fast, but not somebody who saw a Sefer Torah uh, desecrated in any other way or a Sefer Torah that accidentally fell. The Chida then quotes the previously mentioned Beis Yosef in Shulchan Arach, who stated that one of the three dreams somebody is allowed to fast for on Shabbos is if he sees a Sefer Torah burning. Rabbi Yosef Karo wrote another sefer called Magid Mesharim, which was basically a diary that he kept of dreams that he had of a supernatural being coming to him at night. And in this sefer, he wrote that he was told not to fast for a dream of seeing a Sefer Torah falling. The Mata Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda Leib Lazaro, also felt that there was a difference between dreaming of a Sefer Torah being burned versus a Sefer Torah falling. He also quotes from Igros Haramaz by Rabbi Moshe Zakuto that somebody who drops a Sefer Torah should fast Gimel Hafsakos. These are a series of three fasts. However, he adds that, once again, all of these are only Midas Chasidis, an act of piety, but not necessarily required by the letter of the law. Furthermore, even somebody who sees a Sefer Torah that burns would only be required to show signs of mourning if this occurred through a violent act, such as the occurrence which happened with King Yehoiakim. Based on all of this, the Chida offered his final Psach Halacha, his final Halachic ruling, that somebody who drops a Sefer Torah should fast. This is based on a minig, on a custom, being that this is only based on a minig. If the person is too weak to fast, he can instead give some charity. He adds by stating that there was a certain congregation where somebody dropped a Sefer Torah and the rabbi of the congregation required everybody there to fast a series of fasts. But says the Chida, you can't really bring any proofs from that. It could be that the rabbi there felt that his congregation required an atonement for something that they were doing and that his ruling was only for that time and place. Rabbi Yashri then quoted a few more rabbinical sources who dealt with the question of what to do if a Sefer Torah falls. The first was Sefer Priyas Sada, written by Rabbi Leezer Chaim Deutsch. Rabbi Deutsch wrote that a possible source for the custom to fast is based on the Talmud in Tractate Brachos, Lama Dalad 34, which states that if somebody is davening, is praying, and he makes a mistake, it's a bad omen for him. And if it's the Shliach Tzibor that makes a mistake, if it's the person that is leading the services that makes a mistake, it is a bad omen for those that he represents, and they are all required to fast. However, again, there is no direct proof from this because this could just be referring to a shliach tzibor, somebody who's leading the congregation that makes a mistake. However, if somebody drops a Sefer Torah completely by accident, the same might not apply. Rabbi Yashri also quotes from the Mugan of Rum, who felt that there was a minig, a custom to fast, based on multiple sources which have already been mentioned. Rabbi Yashri then quotes from Shalas Echuvus Steya Aretz by Rabbi Avram Yuchas, who quotes the previously mentioned Gemara and Moed Katan, which talks about showing signs of mourning if somebody sees a Sefer Torah or Tefillin burning. He also quotes the previous rule that somebody is allowed to fast on Shabbos if he sees a Sefer Torah burn, and he states that based on all of this, somebody should be required to fast if he sees a Sefer Torah or Tefillin falling. Mipnei Shara Bezilzul because he has seen the shame that's occurred to holy writings. Ravashri then reminds the reader that this has already been disputed by the Chida, who explained earlier that none of those sources should be proof to requiring one to fast if he saw a Sefer Torah or Tefillin fall. Finally, Rabbi Ashri quotes from Yad Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer Nitzberg, that the custom which has 
become prevalent among the Jewish people to fast if somebody witnesses a Sefer Torah falling is because this is something that affects the entire community and it's a wake-up sign to do some repentance. However, in Sefer Zecher, Yehosef, written by Rabbi Yosef Zechariah Stern, Rabbi Stern disagreed and felt that for something which is an uncommon occurrence, such as a Sefer Torah falling, there could be and should be no established custom. So Rabbi Ashri's final halachic decision on this matter was as follows. For all those who were there and witnessed the desecration of the Sifrei Torah, they were required to tear their garments based on the Talmud Bavli. In addition, given the multiple sources that felt that there was a requirement to fast based on at least a custom, he felt that it was appropriate for them to fast if they were able to. However, given the hardships in the ghetto at the time and the rampant hunger in general, he ruled that if they were unable to do so, that would be okay as well. However, for those who actually had to physically desecrate the Sifrei Torah by tearing them apart, they were required to fast despite any hardships that they may endure by doing so. With regards to other people in the ghetto who heard about what had occurred but had not actually witnessed it, there was no obligation to fast. However, he did encourage them to work on their respect for Sifrei Torah as well as their respect for Talmidei Chachanan for Torah scholars. This has been From the Depths by Dr. Shimon Blau. If you've liked this episode, please subscribe for future episodes. Music by Dexter Britton. <laughs>